Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Okay, so Matthew, we're here today, we're going to be, you're going to be at Matthew 27. And there should be, there are Bibles in your pews if you need them, and there's Bibles in the back. So we have been journeying down the passion story with Christ, having been revealed to us the kind of king that he is. So he's been the king betrayed. He is the king denied. He is the king condemned. And today he will be the king that is mocked. Each of these revealed to us the the scope and the depth through which God is willing to reveal his love for you. As I said a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again, I think the challenge for us when we read the uh, Passion account, and if you're able to come on Good Friday at noon, we will read the whole account to you during that, during that service. Um, the challenge is not to get into this, for me, I'll speak for me, not to get into the semantics of the days, but rather to consider why it has to occur in the first place. And the why, of course, is our sin. So we're going to get into some semantics today. Don't worry about it. But, <laughs> but to consider that all this is taking place, uh, and as it does, it reveals the, not only the depth of God's love, but the depth of what sin is. And, and just what it costs to redeem us out of the pit of death and despair. Sometimes I think that can get lost when we think about how, you know, how terrible it was they were shouting at him or how horrible it was they were beating at him, which, of course, is. Um, that said, uh, each time we look at this and say, gosh, ultimately, this is because of me. So we're going to look at Matthew 27, 27 to 31. Short, a short bit of verses here. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his, and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. What did you hear? Yeah, Gil. Oh, sorry, Gil, I'm sorry. We have to use the microphone. I forgot. First thing, uh, verse 28, they stripped him. That was, in my thinking, to humiliate him. Yeah. And I'll add one more thing. I've recently read uh, accounts of Christians being persecuted in China, and one of the first things they do to them is strip them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you, Gil. A couple things on that, right? So um, we know from the fall that um, that there is shame in nakedness. Now I know that culturally we are that's countercultural, but but when you go biblically to the fall, um, what's the first thing that they notice? That they're naked, where before they didn't, and um, and so from that point on. We have this idea that um, that that our that our nudity let's use that word is um, a reminder of our fall, right? So to me, it's interesting, Gil, that uh, that continues on the strip Jesus, the, the shame of that, the humiliation of it. And that we see it even happening culturally today, right? By the way, this, just just to iron it out, this is different than loving yourself, right? There's a there's a major difference here between looking in the mirror and saying I am a child of God, right? Fallen as I am. Uh, trust me, when I look in the mirror, I go, "This is a fallen creature," right? Uh, and I should be at the aging conference. <laughs> um, that's different than than someone taking you out against your will and stripping you of your dignity and shaming you in your nakedness. Right? It's a huge difference there. Right. I was struck by the mention he took a battalion with him. Military parlance. That's a pretty good help group of people. Over this, 600 men. So he must have been prepared for trouble. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But one thing I'll say is um, it could be an indicator to us of Pilate's concern about what's about to occur, right? Linda, then Steve, only because he's, I'm sorry, Greg, I Preferably saw one of you, and it was Steve. <laughs> yeah. I just think the whole mocking issue just shows the depravity of, of human beings. I mean, they were going to crucify. And I just think, why would somebody do add this on to the um, punishment? Why would they find joy in, in humiliating? Do you have a Do you have a hunch? Depravity, depravity of man, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Let's come up to Greg. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Uh, thank you, Linda. That they are already going to crucify him, right? So it's not enough to say they're already going to kill him, because killing him would be merciful. They're going to crucify him, which is horrendous, right? And so, um, and they've already flogged him to some degree. Um, but why the mockery too, I would suggest to you, does show the, the depth of humanity's darkness. But I'll also show you some scripture later to it as well. Greg. I think too that there's, when they go to the trouble to bring a battalion in, if you look at the complete picture of what they're doing to hype this event and make it something that maybe 
even to instill more support from the crowd and the people around them, they make it a big event that otherwise would maybe go past without anybody noticing. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to force ourselves to John, please. We have to force ourselves to to read this at times not knowing what we know, right? So they don't know what we know. <laughs> and no, John, read. But hold on, John. Um, and so, uh, but here's what we know they know. We know, <laughs> how many times are you going to say no? We know that he, the charges against him are that he is disrupting the, the religion of the Jews. He is causing turmoil. And he says he's a king. Hmm. So those things combined, I got to be ready for that, right? In a place that is already troublesome. And I think Fred mentioned last week, if I'm the governor, in a position that I loosely have, and it's not a great position, right? So sure, I'm going to be overly cautious. And I think we have to also consider who those soldiers are. They don't care. And again, I'm not trying to make an excuse for how horrible they're being. They deal with these guys all the time. And by the way, I would think that Jesus isn't the first guy they mocked. Right? So... To us, it's particularly special because it's our Jesus. <laughs> um, but this is what they do. Um, and I would, I would venture to say, I would venture to say that if you ever were with, if you ever knew someone who's been to prison for a while, they would look at this and say, "This, this is, this happens all the time." And I'm not suggesting that that I know anything more than that, but I'm just saying that. This is something, there's nothing new here. It just stings a little greater because it's our Messiah, <laughs> right? And it, therefore it should. Yeah. Uh, we have to remember there's a spiritual component to this, kind of answering Linda's question. Uh, not so much why did the people do it, but Satan is trying to make him quit. This is going back to his initial temptation. And there's, we don't see it. We see the human suffering. Yeah, but good. in his mind, it's, this is too much. Give up. Right. And he's got unbelievable psychological pressure on whatever spiritual Satan's trying to make him quit. That's why it's making it as horrific as it is. He's fighting Satan yeah. directly spiritually as much as we see the, the beatings and the humiliation and yeah. the nakedness. It's like these people are not worth it. Back to your sermon. Yeah. It's not worth it. That's what he's hearing all the to Come down off the cross. Come right. down off the cross. Yeah, really good insight. Thank you for that. I, uh, uh, Pastor, back, but hold on, Pastor, until I come back to you. I, um, yeah, we can't neglect the fact that, that, that Satan does not want Jesus to win. And so he's going to try every opportunity he can to have him lose, right? Um, Noah will be very proud of this next little comment I'm going to say to you because Noah and Gail and I went and saw Captain Marvel yesterday. And um, which I didn't realize it's $5 on Tuesdays at Regal. It, my popcorn costs more than my ticket. It's free at High Street. Oh, my gosh. 
don't, don't tell Noah because he wanted to go there and we didn't want to go there. Uh, so, I, so we were discussing what we, how we liked the movie and I said, what I really liked about the movie was there was a, mo- I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a moment in the movie where they're, they're telling this, they're telling Captain Marvel, listen, you're, you have no power on your own. Your power comes from us. On your own, you're worthless. And they go back through her life and they show her all the times that she's failed. And they show you all these failures. And then she, in the last moment, I'm not, I'm not spoiling this for you, but it's not, I don't think I am. She, she realizes, although she failed, after each time, she got back up. And I said to Noah, to me, that was a powerful part of the movie. And he goes, well, we're going to have to hear this in a sermon sometime. <laughs> Those were his exact words and facial expressions, just so you know. And I said, Noah, it's hard to do movies because you don't know if people saw that. Well, ignore all that. I just did it. So, yeah. I'm, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. The reason I said all that was because they wanted her to give up, right? They're, they're speaking down to her so that she believes the lie. Pastor. I needed this Lenten service and this study because I just received a telephone call from my nephew in Reno, Nevada. He reminded me that I failed him. Hmm. And I didn't call. I promised I would call him on Saturday. I didn't ask. Hmm. I need some forgiveness. Yeah. Should we flog you first? We should. <laughs> Did he have mercy upon you? Not yet. Let's pause there for a moment. Um, when. When, when, when people, in this particular situation, I think that, you know, you say you're sorry and you hope for their forgiveness. But there are times in other situations when people will use events against us to try to make us, to make us feel bad or bring us down in an unwarranted way, right? And how do you fight that, right? How do, how do we deal with mockery? is a question I pose to you today because my guess is you've all been mocked in some way, whether, whether you know you have been or you haven't or you didn't know, you've been mocked in some way. Isn't it interesting how Jesus deals with mockery? Um, which is how? He's humble. He, he is meek, right? He's submissive. Um, now, I think everything is situational, right? In the sense that what is Jesus' ultimate purpose? It's salvation, right? And our ultimate purpose should be to share the saving gospel with other people. So how we respond even in those times does matter. But we're gonna come, we'll come back around to it because I want you to be thinking about the last time you were mocked, made fun of, spit on, Figuratively or really. And what do we do with that? We'll come back to that because there's some things in here that will help that. Anybody else? So I'll repeat it. Some. Oh. So. <laughs> all right. 
Let's go with that for a minute, right? So sometimes you just you can't help but think that people can't help the way they are. It's in their DNA. By the way, I'm waiting for I did a little DNA kit. I'm waiting for it to come back. It's been taking a long time. I'm nervous about it. <laughs> Maybe I have different parents than I thought I had. I don't know. Um, either, or, yeah, or I'm going to jail. <laughs> So, Gordon, let's talk about that a minute because I think there's something to that. Um, let's use it spiritually, right? We we are all sinful beings, right? Um, I always go back to, this was years ago. I watch, just so you know, I watch all the news channels. I don't have a favorite one. In fact, I think they're all terrible, frankly, uh, for different reasons. But I was watching Chris Matthews. I mean, this was like, I think I was still in New York at the time. But I remember him saying, when will people learn that by nature, humanity is good? And I remember, I remember going, no, that's not right. That's the lie, right? By nature, we're bad. We're sinful. And therefore, our sinful selves often tries to win the day. Yeah. And sometimes it does, my friend. That's true. And I will say, I have even said that the, that there are people who I think by nature are who they are, right? And that can be good and bad. Uh, often when I say it, I mean it bad. <laughs> none of that, however, none of that should be an excuse for us to live the new life we've been given in Christ. Now, it's hard Right, So if by nature I am defensive, or if by nature I am ignorant, or if by nature I'm a jerk, um, to say, well, it's my nature, is not excuse enough to live that way. Notice I said things that maybe we all sometimes may have been accused of being. Um, What we have to do is to say, yeah, by nature I am fallen, and yet I'm striving to live in the new nature. I want to be less jerkish and less defensive and less ignorant in Christ, right? And this is where I think we can all maybe associate with Paul a little bit. I don't know what the thorn in his side was, and I think maybe God gave that as a gift to us. <laughs> um, I think that often I think it's the death of Stephen, personally, that, that he was a part of that. But we all have a thorn in the side that we struggle with, um, and we wrestle with as we go along. Okay. Yeah, right. Oh, part of that reminded me of mob action, people sinking down to their reaction. And we, we have it all the time. I'm reminded of it last night, watching the Washington-Philadelphia baseball game. They were to honor Harper, because, but he yeah. had changed. Yeah, they booed but yet him. when he came to bat, they booed him and yeah. cheered when he was struck out. Yeah. You know? And I thought, well, most of the people there really wanted to honor him, but the mob action. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Voters meeting, right? You know? (laughs) Although we're blessed here with really good voters meetings, but I've been to some. Thankfully, never my congregation, but just serving the district where it's like, who are we today, right? And that's where I would say, that's where we have to really press upon ourselves um, I can be I can be not like something, and I can disagree with something, and I can be even hurt or angry about something. But how do I then 
express that is also a witness. And I sometimes have to fight my human nature to say, no, God, God, take over here, you know. All right, let's get into this a little bit. I'm really pleased that we're doing this today, by the way, because I often find that we don't, we spend a lot of time on Herod, we spend a lot of time on Pilate, we spend a lot of time on the cross, but we don't necessarily spend a lot of time right here with these soldiers and with Jesus. And there's some richness in this that I think shouldn't be um, lost. The first thing I think that as we go through this again is to consider how our sin is a mockery of the reign of Christ in our lives. So, so, so here's what we're trying to shout out and sort of look in the mirror about today, which is ultimately the fact that we continue in our sinfulness is like spitting at Jesus. It's like hitting Jesus. It's like denying Jesus and condemning Jesus because because we are people of the resurrection. And yet, we do find ourselves, even living in that truth, worshiping our sin oftentimes, excusing our sin, placating our sin. That's a mockery to what's been done for us. Now, we're not perfect. I know that. But we are striving for perfection, right? Um, when, we, when we acknowledge our sin, we then are able to work through that sin. It may take time, it may take effort, it may take an eternity, but that's what we should be doing, right? So think about that now as you put yourselves in here, right? Roman soldiers now had in their hands, <laughs> think about this, a self-proclaimed king to play with. Think about all the anger issues they could have had out on Jesus (laughs) and all those who thought they were so great. And the cherry on top is this. He's not Roman. So they have a lot of leeway to really mock Jesus. They've already flogged him. And now this, I made a note here. So when I quote someone I've read up on, I quote them. This is a PB, I read PBH note. So I know that, oh, I thought of this. We tend, uh, we tend to focus on the cross as the punishment for our sin. However, here we see that it actually is much deeper. It's not only the denial. It's not only the betrayal and the condemnation, but here we also see that part of the punishment for our sin is this abuse. Right? We want to we want to leave this passage quickly and get to the cross, which is horrible. Linda's right. The, the whole crucifixion event is horrible. But also part of the price for your sin is that Jesus had to be stripped down. In the shame of his nakedness. And have a robe put upon him. And a crown of thorns put on him. And a reed knocking on his head. And words thrown at him. And spit hurled upon him. 
That's all punishment for sin. It's the prelude of the punishment, if you will. So then the question is, why does Matthew go into such detail? Well, first, I think some would say that he's trying to show a Gentile point of view, right, to to the punishment that Jesus had to endure and the fulfillment uh, that Jesus had to do for us. Uh, Also, he's probably pointing back to, turn to Isaiah 50. Isaiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah. No, Isaiah, sorry. Isaiah 50. We're going to go to verse 6. Do I have the right one? I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. So remember, remember one of Isaiah's goals is to show you uh, the suffering servant of Christ. So Isaiah will often point to things that we see Christ enduring. Matthew also wants to allow the reader to reflect on the reality of Jesus' kingship, which the soldiers can only see as a joke. But we see as the perfect fulfillment for the eternal reign of God. Turn to John. We're going to get you some Bible exercise today. John 28. Ah, sorry. There is no John 28. It might be John 20. I wrote 28, just so you know. Let me see what it is. I think it's 20, 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourselves and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is said to show what kind of death he, he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to them, follow me. I don't know why I put that in there. Someone want to help me? Oh, I'm in John. Oh, I was in 21. Don't mind me while I try to figure this out. All right, forget it. I'll I'll fix it by tonight. I'll find it by tonight and let you know, but we don't have time to we don't have time to fix my error. So let's continue. Sorry, pastor. Well, that's what I read. John 21, 18, does foreshadow the death of Christ. Yes. I got to turn back to it because I I moved away. I gave it up on myself. So let's go back to 21 to 15, right? When they had finished breakfast, this is... 
This is post-resurrection. When, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said, this is the Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Um, yeah, let's move on from this. It's not where I wanted to go. I apologize. I led you astray. I made you park in the gravel parking lot. And I got to bring you back down to the lower lot. I apologize. So Matthew, go back to Matthew 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. So these soldiers would have been auxiliary soldiers, probably not the Roman class, you know, regioners, if you will. Um, they were um, they were a legion stationed in Palestine at the time. At this time, uh, they probably would have been a little bit more of a rowdy crew, <laughs> and um, the whole cohort would have been about six hundred men. That's true. Um, it's on one level, it's kind of hard to believe what six hundred guys would have been doing around there. Um, you know, I, I would imagine that, it, that it's possible that, hey, hey, we got this guy. We're all 600 involved in this, in this mockery. I don't know. But it does give us some indication of things that we talked about before, right? That um, Jesus has sparked their interest. I can't imagine that every time they mocked someone who was about to be crucified, that all 600 gathered together. This one seems uniquely special because he's claimed to be a king. Yeah, Mary. Oh, sorry. We need a microphone. I'm sorry. Sorry, Larry. I'm really troubled today. Maybe they uh, geared up more soldiers because it was the holiday and there was a lot of trouble. Sure, certainly could have been. It's just interesting that all of them would have gathered to mock Jesus. Right? Uh, Pastor Fralick. Possibly. Yes. Because it was the whole cohort. It was really saying it's us. Say that. All people of all time. It's symbolic. Symbolically, the whole, all of creation is responsible for that. Okay. In Christ's state of humiliation. We're all responsible. Do right. we see ourselves there? Mocking him. Mocking him. I think one of the powerful things that they do in many churches is on Good Friday, you take your nail, you hammer it. Yeah. It, just the hearing of that in a, a very powerful mm. reflection. Of, it's me too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you for that insight. So they are all gathered there. And verse 28, they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe, a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand, his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, say it with me, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him. On the head. A prisoner. Yes. Hold on a sec. Uh, I'll get to that. What's the importance of the color of the robe? Sorry, Larry. (laughs) 
I'll tell you in a minute. So a prisoner would have been stripped for flogging. Uh, the robe was probably not a nice robe, probably an old cloak, probably from a soldier. Um, the color is a symbol of royalty. And um, interesting, it's also a color associated with God's tabernacle. So if you go, let me go there first before I tell you. So I took Monday and Tuesday off. Clearly, I'm a little rusty on Wednesday. Taking tomorrow off, too, to go fishing with Noah. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. We're going to Waller Mill Park. Yeah. Go out there and fish around and take a couple of Dramamine, you know. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined, 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 I got it, linen, and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. This is how the tabernacle should be made. What's the tabernacle? Where God resides, right? Who is Christ? God in the flesh, right? So the king of Jews, God's promised one, God who is present in the flesh, you see this, this connection, right? Crown of thorn, Claire? Oh, I thought you were... Wait, wait, wait. You take us there. I really appreciate you taking us back to Exodus. I never thought of this. But I thought we were a couple chapters later where it says the priest's garments will also be those garments. Yes. So Jesus is... Not only king, not only dwelling, but priest. Right. Yeah, thank you for adding that on there. Right. So there's this richness. Uh, So let's, let's take one step back. Let's remember Matthew's goal. Matthew's goal is to write a gospel for Jewish Christians to, to make the connection between Old Testament and New Testament, if you will. So sure... Matthew's going to give us some details that will point people back to things that they knew. So, yeah, look at the richness of that now. The tabernacle's color, the priestly color. Who is Jesus? He is our great high priest. He is God in the flesh. He is the tabernacle of God, if you will. So we're seeing all that imagery here, yet being mocked. And I... I'm going to go back with Pastor Fralick here. I'm not going to let you off the hook. So you worship the high priest of God. (laughs) You have the tabernacle of the Lord. The kingdom of God is present because of Christ in you. And yet, how do we mock him? Through our denial, through our sinfulness, right? So they get a crown of thorns, most likely made from plants that are around there. Um, I think that we have to always remember that this would have been very painful, um, right? We have a crown of thorns. Maybe we should pass it around and let you all see um, that. Um, I wrote here, the weight of the crown is often symbolic of the weight of the responsibility. Anyone ever seen... The crown jewels in uh, London Tower. I'll see it this summer. I can't wait. I've written a note requesting to try it on. I'll see if they... 
It never hurts to ask Mary, right? I get the boys all revved up with things that they think that I've actually done. I'm like, oh, I've written, I've written the queen. To see. What? They think I did it, right? Um, so I think, I think this would, why wouldn't they believe me, right? I, I think that the crown of thorns certainly also shows the weight of the pain and suffering that needed to be endured for our sinfulness. Also, I'm not going to tell you until I read it. Yeah, okay. Genesis 3, 17 to 18. While you're turning there, Genesis 3, 17 to 18. One little side story of something that I actually did do. I wrote, did I tell you this? I wrote the priest of the church in the town that the Harmons are from. And I said, I'm just writing because we're coming there and I want to make sure that we're actually from there. Because you know, great Aunt Ruth says we are, but she may not be right. So he actually wrote me back. And he said, indeed, your family is from here. I looked in the register myself. And he said, there are Harmons still associated with this parish. So I'm going to knock it. I'm going to knock on doors. Hi, I'm Billy Harmon. Are you my uncle? You know. All right. Can I stay with you? They do have my great, 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 great grandfather's baptism record. And he, ironically, he was baptized on Jack, the day of Jack's birth. September 10th, he was baptized. And that's Jack's birthday. So kind of fun. All right. So uh, Genesis 3. Oh, we're running out of time. 17, 18. No stories. And to Adam, this is the curse, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten, see, don't listen to your wife, and have eaten to the tree of which I command you, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So, isn't it interesting that this is also symbolic of the fall, right? John's got to be super quick because we got to go. Hold on. Larry's coming and he's running. Well, he's walking briskly. It's creation. He's carrying the rest of not just us, but all of creation. That's it on his head. I have seen a painting of the artist paint pictures of Jesus dead with the crown of thorns on his head. This painting had that with dead sparrows impaled on the mm. thorns. Yeah. That too. But it's making that point. It's all creation. Yeah. And I would say not only is it all creation, but it's the, the curse of all creation that we bear, right? The reed would probably be a stick of cane. How annoying to be kicked on the head with that, right? Um, the whole scene includes spitting and repeated blows. And this is just evidence of the dishonor that they want to put on them. To spit on someone is to have no regard for them. And then I made a note here to make you all feel bad. How many times does our sin spit in the face of our Savior? Right? Okay. Oh, I read something interesting that I thought you might find interesting. The parallelism to Jesus. Notice when Jesus spits... It brings forth healing. 
right? And our spit brings forth mockery. The replacement of Jesus' clothes was most likely um, to appease the Jewish rules of public nakedness. So isn't that kind of funny, <laughs> right? That they'll shame him and mock him, but, oh, we don't want to offend these religious people, so we'll put his clothes back on him when we parade him through town, uh, if you will. Uh, and then finally, um, there's a whole bunch of verses here that are, of, of some parallels between how other kings of, Jeru- of, of, the, of Israel endured suffering and mockery compared to how Jesus endured it, right? They often fail. Jesus shows the kingly way. And then also the idea, and Gil mentioned this a little bit earlier, which is the idea of how we deal with mockery today because of our faith. And, and lest we forget, there are people every day throughout this world being mocked because they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I'm not suggesting we don't have it here in the United States. We certainly do. Uh, but there are people who are enduring great suffering and heartache and pain, physical, because of Jesus Christ uh, in their lives. Gail and I were talking, I was telling him a story of, uh, I read an article where a church sanctioned uh, by the Chinese government, a Christian church, had grown so large that the government closed the church and tore the building down tore the building down because it had gotten to be too large. Interesting. Jesus is presented today as royalty, outfitted and addressed as a king, and dressed as a king. It's done in mockery. For the eyes of faith, it is a majestic sight. We see Jesus dressed in a scarlet robe, showing his intention to die for us and clothe us with his own righteousness. He wears a crown of thorns and holds a scepter, so that we might one day wear an everlasting crown and hold victorious palm branches. Our king hears the mock greeting, Hail, King of the Jews, so that we might be greeted at his second coming with the words of the king that we long to hear, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Thank you for putting up with some of my errors today. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.